Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your love and that you forgive us and you continue to lavish upon us your still amazing grace. Lord, we pray that as we turn to your word that we would hear the very voice of God through the word of God, through this amazing passage on prayer and opportunities. Pray that you would that you would do what only you could do and go where only you could go, and you would make your word come alive to us. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning here, this amazing book of the Bible here, written by the Apostle Paul, far away there in uh, maybe 10 miles, actually. And so, and he writes here to Colossae. And here's what happened. There's a young, young church. They're fledgling. They're, you know, they're doing okay in some areas. But here's what happened. People came together and they said this. We will give our money. We will give our time. We will give our talents. We will give our prayers. We will give our service here. We will give hard work. And we're going to give this so that there might be a church that would come into existence in Colossae here. And we've learned that uh, uh, about our new position and our new identity in Christ. We talked about how we're going to live that out now. And so, uh, and so now what they're going to live out is they're going to live out. How, what does that look like in terms of this new reality, this new reality that they would have this, this relationship with God that would come to expression in, uh, in dialogue where they would pray to him. So we're going to unpack that. And my goal this morning is to do this, is to demystify and to simplify prayer. I want to demystify it, and I want to simplify prayer. And the other dominant theme that we're going to unpack here is the one of opportunity, where God has opportunity for us, and we're going to see, we're going to learn all about that from the scriptures here this morning. So he says this here uh, in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, I get it here, you know, some people are new to church and like, you know, wow, a prayer, like I don't really... I don't really feel like an expert on prayer. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. Sometimes I even feel like I stink at prayer, you know. Uh, others say, well, my prayer life, you know, it's not really what it should be. And then there's others, you know, like you've pretty much got it sorted out and you've spent decades doing that. Others is like, it's kind of awkward, you know, to pray, you know, if you knew my past, you know, and so, uh, you know, prayer, you know, I'm not very consistent at it. So we come from all different places here. And so uh, he says, devote yourself to prayer. So he says this, look, you've got this new reality. The new reality is this, is that you're to make prayer central to your life here. This new reality of talking to God here and that you could live out a life of prayer here. And so devote yourself then to prayer. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to press down into this, into the day in, day in and day out realities of prayer. And so they had reason to be discouraged uh, in that culture at that time. They were about to experience a devastating earthquake, which would just devastate Hierapolis, Laodicea, and Colossae. It would never be rebuilt. So they were on the verge of a devastating earthquake that would absolutely wipe out all of Colossae, and it would not be able to be restored there. So I said, look, don't stop praying here. Saying, look, don't give up on prayer. So here's God's word to this church which is now forming, getting started, and trying to gain traction here. He says, look, 
Some of the people they need to, to, to rethink, uh, to shift gears here, to reprioritize, maybe to purpose prayer, to lean in to prayer and to embrace this reality here. And so, and I get it. I get it, you know, I'm just like you. I get it that prayer is not easy. I get it that you don't hear like devote yourself to prayer. Like, wow, like that's a pretty tricky thing to do there. And so what then is prayer? In your notes, what then is prayer? It is simply this, talking to your heavenly father, talking to your dad there. And so you mean, you know, I'm supposed to be talking to God. Well, of course, that's not surprising for anyone. We, we know that. We just don't feel like we're very good at it. And so it's, so God is saying this. He's saying to the, this church here and to this church, to us people here, if you're a Christ follower or you're thinking about it, saying, you know what? I just want you to talk to me like one-on-one, talk to me and get to know me as your heavenly father here. And so you know, and I get it. Some be like, well, you know, if you only knew my dad, you know, he wasn't a good dad. He was a dysfunctional dad. He wasn't a present dad and all that. But your heavenly father's not like that. And so he, he's all powerful, all knowing, all present, all everything, all forgiving, all capable, you know, who loves you and is for you and not against you. And like if he had a wallet, it would have your picture in it. So that's the father that you're praying to. So devote yourself to prayer. So he's saying like, look, here's the bottom line. If you're new at it, if you can talk to people, you can talk to God. If you can talk to people, you can talk to God. So now, for example, my sons talk to me often. Usually they want money you know, or they want something, but they talk to me often. And so if my sons were to come to me and say, Oh, thou most high father, we beseech thee that thou mayest give us a 20 spot. I'd be, I would be like, would you knock it off, you know, and just talk to me normally, you know, and stop all the phoniness and hyping me up and all the, you know, just talk to me and talk to me normal. And that's what God would say to us this morning. Just talk to me and talk to me normal here. No special code language, you know, no pious phoniness, no special, you know, words there. Just you talking to me plain and simple here. So here's what prayer is. Here's what you're to do. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. Devote yourselves to prayer. So God is saying, look, I just want you to connect with me in this new reality as your new lifestyle. This is what you're doing. So it has been designed by God Almighty that the way that you relate to him as you are talking to him in prayer here. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6 where he said, look, here's what you're to do. Here's what it looks like. Find a quiet place and you don't have to impress anybody. Don't be like all the hypocrites, all the role playing, you know, all the programs, no, no special techniques here to get what you want from me. I already know what you need. I already know that. So keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. So prayer then, it's not about getting like, you know, the right words or saying it the right way, you know, or, you know, shooting up a thesaurus of your proper words to heaven there, thinking that God's going to bless that. There's never been a time, uh, ever, in my life, where I've been with you and 
God would say to the angels in heaven, Hey, Gabriel, Michael, did you, did you hear what Rod just prayed? That was, that was, that was just something there. And so, no, it's just like you just pray and just talk to your heavenly father. And so God even reads your heart. Watch. Sometimes you don't even know what to pray, right? Has there been times in your life you don't even know what to pray? I was thinking, you know, uh, when, when my father passed away and I was there with, with my dad, I just wanted to pray. And I didn't even know, I, I could, I'm, you're so numb and everything. You don't even know what to pray. And you know what happened? As I knelt down at his bed, I just started groaning. Just groaning. And that's what the Bible says. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray as we should. And God's spirit has to help us out. And sometimes it might even come out as a groan. Sometimes it's silent. But your heavenly father, he, he knows you. He knows your heart. And he can read that. And so in your notes here, what should you talk to God about? Well, like everything. You talk to him about everything. Your heart has been broken. Talk to him about your broken heart. Maybe you're confused and like you don't even know what to do. You don't know which way to go. Talk to him about your confusion. Perhaps you're in a place, you know, where, hey, things are awesome. Well, talk to him about that, that you're so grateful. Maybe things are awful. Talk to him about that. You have a need. You, you bring it to him. And so devote yourself to prayer. It literally means this. Devote and keep devoting. Continue, some of your translations read, steadfastly. Just make this to be your life here. It's another way of saying, hey, just keep talking to your Heavenly Father there. This ongoing, continual dialogue here. Because this is what I know to be true. No one stumbles into a life of prayer. No one kind of just accidentally becomes a prayer here. No one kind of haphazardly stumbles into a walk up with God of prayer. No one just wakes up one day as a prayerful person. It's something that you do little by little. And you know what? You can hear somebody else pray, you know, that's been around, or hear the Apostle Paul or read his prayers here. And, you, you, you know, sometimes you forget there's only been decades where he devoted himself you know, to walking with God in prayer, praying with others, praying by himself, learning to hear God's voice through the word and all. And so locked in with God, he's in prison here. And so it says to do this, with an alert mind. That's a nice way of the Bible saying, you know, don't like fall asleep. How many people love to sleep? Come on, you love to sleep. More than that, love to sleep here. And so he's saying, look, Look around you. Look at the people around you. Look at, you know, uh, all, all the, the opportunities around you here. It says, and the idea is being, is of being awake and aware and alert and mentally or spiritually, not to fall asleep here, but, but to be awake of, of, uh, of all the opportunities for prayer that are surrounding you. An alert mind here. So stay awake. You know, how many people you've begun to pray? This has happened to the speaker this morning a few times. How many people has happened to you where you say, you know what, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to get a little comfortable here. And you begin to pray, dear Lord, and you wake up with a red spot on your forehead. Has that, has that happened to you? It's happened to me. And so, anyway, um, so thank him for all his blessings. It says, and be thankful. Thanking him for all that he has done here. And so um, I want you to, to imagine this. Here's Paul. Watch. And he's in a hell hole of a prison. No ESPN, no air conditioning. It's a hellhole. And so, and so there he is. And he's being thankful there in that place. In the middle of awful, he was thankful. 
And, uh, and sometimes life is like that. Sometimes life is awful. Sometimes it's awesome. But even when it's awful, you can thank God because he is awesome, because he's still working in your life there. And so you give thanks for the awesome, and you pray for the grace to get through the awful. And so prayer in your notes there, this is really what we need to be mindful of. It's not for God to see things my way, but rather to get us to see things his way, what it does in me. Because so often prayer can be seen as like getting stuff. Like we just need stuff. I need healing. I need help. I need this. I need that. See, but prayer is not to get God to change his mind or convince him. Oftentimes, it's you, you, your perspective is, is changed there. And so, Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, he says this. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. And that's why I'm here. So, Paul here is not just praying for the end result, but watch. He's praying for opportunities. And prayer did not change his circumstances, but it made him effective in the middle of his circumstances. And so often what we want to do is we want to pray that my circumstances will change. Paul is in prayer for in prison and his circumstances never changed. But he changed in the midst of his circumstances when he was praying there. And so uh, how powerful is this? That he prayed not for God to open a prison door. There's nothing in there. God opened a prison door. He said, no, God opened a door of opportunity is what he was praying for. This is my life for this season here. And so rather than his prayer being that God would open a door of opportunity, he's saying, look, God, just help me in the midst of my prison experience here. So in your notes there, you have to pray for opportunities and never stop praying for opportunities. You know, when I finish the message, and uh, as I often do, I, I, I just sit back and I just ponder and I, I just kind of look at it and, and I keep trying to, I, I keep asking, is there, is there anything else in there? You know, am I missing anything? Is there, is there anything else? I'm missing the voice of God, you know? And so, uh, and so as I was processing it, I realized this. I realized that my own life, my own life has been spent since a teenager just working out the opportunities that God gives me. And I'm here today with you because of the opportunity to do this. And really the Christian life is, is just processing all the opportunities. And so what would happen if we began to see opportunity as God sees opportunity? How would that change our lives? Because when we pray, we get in tune, and we get in touch with God's heart. We will live differently. We will see differently. And, uh, and our spiritual eyes begin to be opened to opportunity. And so I want to unpack this for you a little bit here. Because I believe that the problem is this. The problem is not that we don't have enough opportunities. We do. We're opportunity rich. The problem is... We don't always see the opportunities. See, we don't always sense that there's an opportunity there. We don't always, you know, begin to sort out, you know, that opportunity. We don't always seize the opportunity. Well, sometimes we miss the opportunities there. So when I was in college, and I had just been going to church for about maybe a year, I began to sense an opportunity. 
And uh, I, I had never been involved in prison ministry. I'd never been in a prison. And, uh, but I just sensed an opportunity there uh, while I was in college, a uh, uh, junior in college. And so uh, I was to sponsor in Chino Prison there young inmates and to begin to meet with them. I had no ministry experience. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no training. I just sensed an opportunity, nothing more than that. So I began to meet with a young boy, a young man, 14 years old, named Troy, named Troy. And I would meet with Troy every week, and he had, you know, just, just a devastatingly terrible family life, you know. And, uh, but I would meet with him, and we became buddies, you know, and hang out and write letters and all. And, uh, and, and I began to realize when Troy would write me back, I was having an impact on his life. And, uh, and it all began with an opportunity that I just sensed. And I kind of began to sort it out and then began to seize the opportunity. And since that time, that's just, that's just been my life. It's just living out opportunities here. And so there are multiple opportunities that God will bring into your life. And so let me share with you some of the things I've learned about opportunities. Is that okay? This is from, this is from decades of my life. These are things I've learned about opportunities. So you have to do this. Okay. I must say no. I must say no to some good opportunities so that I can say yes to the great opportunities. Because you can fill your plate. How many of you know you can fill your plates with good? And your plate gets overflowing with good. And uh, uh, you got so many irons in the fire that the fire starts to go out. How many people know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, the fire starts to go out. And so uh, you realize, you know what? I'm getting distracted with so many opportunities. I'm getting, I'm getting um, uh, deluded. I'm getting detoured with all these opportunities. And sometimes the good opportunities will undermine and keep you because you're so busy, you know, doing this and doing that, you know, just doing to do rather than waiting, you know, and asking yourself and filtering through, is this indeed a God opportunity? So what I've learned to do, because I'm like you, you know, oh, that sounds like a good thing to do. I think I'll do that, and I'll think I'll do that. And I'll do, before I knew it, I'm singing on the, I'm singing in the choir, stressed out of my brain, just trying to sing in the choir, you know, doing youth, and and uh, uh, and then uh, and then I'm on all these boards. I'm like, what in the heck am I doing? So I just I resigned from every board. Maybe three or four boards. I resigned from all of them. Just one night, I said, "This is it. I'm done. I, this is these are good things, but this is not the God thing." And so sometimes you need to say no, so you can say yes. So then, when the God opportunity comes, you're available to that. It's resonating in your heart there. So I would ask this: What do you need to What do you need to stop doing for a season? You see, not only. Do you have to say no to some good opportunities to make room for the great God opportunities? Every opportunity needs to be evaluated. Every opportunity before you needs to be evaluated. Because just because it's a great idea doesn't mean it's a God idea. And so you need to filter it through evaluating with wisdom. In fact, the Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 15.22. It says this. It says, get all the advice that you can. Get all the advice that you can here. And here's what I know to be true. Sometimes if you say yes, you say yes to an opportunity, it is going to impact your life. And it may impact your life for the rest of your life. But watch, if you don't do it, if you don't do it, here's the flip side. You may look back at that opportunity, and you knew it was a God opportunity. And you may look back at that opportunity and look back with measures of regret 
that you didn't do that opportunity. How many people would want to live that way? That you get to the end of the road, the, you know, the final chapters of your life, and you didn't take advantage of the God opportunity, and then you're full of regret for having not done it. So on one hand there, you need to get all the advice you can, you know, you need to evaluate the opportunity. But on the other hand, you need to weigh the opportunity and say, is this something that I should do here? And so in Paul's case, he says this, to speak about his plan concerning Christ. Now, how does that happen? The guy is in a, in a, is in a little chamber, the little hell hole. Locked up. How is he going to speak about Christ when there's like seemingly nobody to speak to? Like, how do, it's just pray for me, church. Pray for me that I can, you know, have opportunity, you know, to speak concerning this awesome plan of Jesus Christ. How's that happen? Like, how's he going to be productive in prison when he's locked up there? You see, what happened was this, is that God so worked in the circumstances that in that culture, the Romans had the Roman Praetorian elite guard. So Paul then, uh, there was maybe four or 5,000 of them in the Roman Empire, and Paul then was often chained to a guard. Imagine that, chained to a guard there. He's got this captive audience. These influential men here got this captive audience there, and they're hearing him sing. They're hearing him pray. They're hearing him, you know, uh, formulate his thoughts there. And they're, they're, they're in close proximity to him. And it says, and this is why I'm here in, cha- in, in chains. So here's a guy, check this out. Here's a guy that today probably couldn't get a job in any church. If you were to interview him and ask him some questions, uh, Paul, um, are you married? No. Uh, do you have, do you have any kids? No. Uh, do you have any church experience? Do you have any experience working with deacons or elders? Uh, I murdered them. Thank you, Paul. Next question. Um, is there, Paul, is there anything that you're, you're good at? Uh, I'm good at causing riots and I've spent a lot of time in jail. Awesome. We'd love to hire you, you know? And so, but, but, but listen, um, with that resume, God used that person in that resume and used him in prison. And watch, this is what you need to hear. His circumstances didn't keep him from leveraging the opportunity. And there's many people in here this morning and your circumstances keep you from leveraging the opportunities God's bringing your way. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean your health. I mean your schedule. I mean, maybe if you like your education or, or uh, there's so many things you can fill in the blank, but you look at a circumstance in your life. Well, we'll see if you only knew my life because of this thing, I can't leverage the opportunities. Paul leveraged the opportunity to speak about Jesus when he's locked up in prison. And so we can too. So verse four says this and pray that I'll proclaim the message clearly as I should. Proclaim it clearly as I should. And so Paul then he's saying yes to the unexpected opportunity. And so, uh, uh, and he prayed that God would empower him. He doesn't rest on his immense ability. What an immense ability. Unparalleled perhaps in, in history. The power of his intellect and his ability to communicate. And he doesn't rest upon that. He says, would you pray for me? 
uh, perhaps arguably the greatest, you know, uh, communicator, the greatest theological mind ever to live. And he says, pray that I would proclaim the message clearly. Would you, would you do that for me? Because I want to be at my best here. So in your notes, God wants to do something in you. Wants to do something in you. To continue to work in you that he might work through you. And so when you pray, God wants to do something in you also. And so God may, you know, God may show you that you're the answer to your prayer. That you're the answer to the opportunity. When I was in in uh, uh, in, call, uh, or in professional school, I was uh, I was at a school, a large Christian university, and uh, they had this thing that the whole vision for the school was they wanted to send these teams out all over the world. They called them health teams, where his voice is not heard and where his his light shines dimly. And I heard that, and I heard that, and I heard that, and uh, but nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And I'm praying, you know, like, God, would you send the health teams and pray, you know, go here and there. And I realized, you know what, uh, Rod, you're the answer to the prayer. But there's never been any health teams, and they don't know what the health teams are going to look at, and they're still figuring it out and all. So I went to the dean of the school. I said, Dean, I want to do the vision of the school, and I want to send, I want to take, I want to take our students, 20 students to Mexico. I want to go in the jungles, and I, I laid out the vision. He was completely unmoved. And, uh, and I said, Dean, could you give me some, some money? No. Uh, could you give me vehicles, transportation? No. Could you give me equipment? No. I said, uh, Dean, would you give me your blessing? He said, yes. I said, Dean, that's all I need. Thank you. And so uh, we took a team and, uh, we took a team. And, and, and so all I'm saying is this is that I'm praying, I'm hearing and all that. And in the midst of prayer, God can kind of tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what? Like, you're the answer. Like, you're the one to do it there. And so God can work inside you. And so, so Paul, I also, uh, I forgot to, I just want to expand a little bit more that Paul was not defined by his limitations. How often we can be defined by our limitations. He was not defined by his limitations. They did not keep him from the opportunities that God was dropping in his lap. So I want to ask you this. Are you defined by your limitations? Has that defined you in your life? Or do you let the, the, uh, would you let the limitations not keep you from the God-breathed opportunities that he wants to give you? I think limitations, sometimes they come to expression in terms of excuses. We make excuses of why we can't leverage that opportunity. And so, uh, so my next point is this here in your notes there, that you got to prepare for opportunities. I must prepare in your notes there for opportunities. Because watch, God is God and he opens the door. But once he opens the door, you're responsible you're responsible to prepare for that opportunity. And so perhaps, you know, I'll just share from my own experience here. So it became real to me that I wanted to, I want to like get out there. I want to like do, I want to like be missional with my life. And so what I did then, I had never done anything or been anywhere. But what I did then is begin to prepare. What that looked like is this. I'd watch videos. I'd read books. You know, I'd read about all the missionaries there. Uh, I would, uh, I would ask missionaries to mentor me. You know, and uh, try to download from everything I could from their lives to help prepare so that that experience could be a reality. 
So one of the things that you have to do then is you have to not just pray uh, 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 about the, op- the opportunity, but you got to prepare for the opportunity also. And so otherwise, here's what happens. You will lose out on opportunities because you're just not prepared. And so we, you know, it's something that you, you, know, you want to take serious and you become a, a student of that potential opportunity. You become a student of that and you learn and you apply yourself there. First Timothy, or excuse me, First Peter 3, 5 says this, always be unprepared. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It says, always be prepared to give an answer, to tell your faith story, the hope that is within you. And so in your notes, number five, uh, I'm sorry, verse five, live wisely among those who are believers. Live wisely among those who are believers. Is that what the Bible says? What's it say? Live wisely among those who are are not, not church folk. Think of that. To this young church saying, you know what? There's a whole lot of people out there in culture. They're not like you. They're not church people. Okay. You need to be wise how you live your life. You need to think about how how, they're going to read every chapter of your life. They may not read the Bible here. And so I just want to point this out. It says here like, uh, uh, live wisely among those. This is making the inference. This is making the, the implication is that you are in community. How else can you be among those? That you're connected with people. You're in relationship with people here that don't have faith like you have. They're not like you. And you need to see this, see how you're living before them. It says, walk wisely. Be mindful how you conduct yourself, okay? Uh, so with people that have not encountered the grace of God, not encountered the love of God here. And so uh, so people are watching you. They're trying to sometimes, they know you're, you're like a, a, a Christ follower. They're going to try to sort things out, like whether they want to be Christ followers. What does it look like? And so you can either point them to or point them away from realities based on living with wisdom. And so I think about this. I think about this like you in the in the in the marketplace when you interact with people. You know they're eventually probably going to find out who you are, and where you, where you you're coming from. And so when they know that, are you living wisely before them in your conversation, in your conduct? You know what they see you doing. You know when you're at the restaurant. You know uh, when you're. You know. Um, you know who cuts your hair. All those things. What are they seeing about your life? That's what he's talking about here. To live wisely before those who don't yet believe. And so number three, or the third point about. Uh, opportunities is what is this? I must participate then in the opportunities. You've prayed, you have prepared, but but look, life is short. There comes a time where you pull the trigger and you don't waste. There's a time to wait, but there's a time when you sense that it's the right time. Then you got to pull the trigger here. You must participate. You know, you can pray till you're forever and prepare forever. But then the time comes where you just gotta, you just gotta step into that. Take a step of faith and you participate then in the opportunity there. And so the Bible assumes in your notes that all Christ followers are gonna do that. They're gonna participate and they're gonna come to share their faith story there. So finally, verse six. And let your speech, your conversation be gracious 
and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. Let your conversation, your speech be full of grace and attractive. Well, we could do a six-week series just on that. And so, but he's saying this, watch the content of your conversation. Remember, you've been changed. Remember putting on the new man. Remember last week, put on Jesus. Yeah. You know, remember all that old identity. Okay. So now putting on the, the new man also uh, is putting new speech because your heart's been changed. What comes out of, out of your mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart. So he's saying, look, you know, the anger and the sarcasm there and the quick temper, you know, or the yelling or the, you know, the carelessness with your words. He's saying, look, like watch Watch your mouth, you know, put a guard over it there. Be careful, you know, what you say. And, and, uh, and I've learned so much, not just what I say, but how I say it. And so, uh, the tongue can be your best or your worst enemy. True or not true? It's true. So, in your notes, make gracious speech a habit where you build this into your life. You're building it into your life because you are new, a new person in Christ. And so sometimes people think like it's like a badge of honor. I went off on them. You should have seen it. I, 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 just, I just went off on them. As if like, yeah, that, that's awesome. You, you went off on them. That was really wise. Uh, and so, uh, you know, sometimes you, you have stress, you have difficulty. Someone's wronged you. You know, maybe it's your children, your your husband, your wife, your friends, you know, a neighbor, whatever, and you just want to go off on them. But what he's saying is like, look, if you could just hit the, hit the pause button for just a moment. Not talking about righteous anger. I'm not talking about that. The Bible says be angry and sin not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where it just gets the best of you and, and, uh, um, and you do irreparable damage for what you did, what you said. And so um, this then is the word of the Lord. It's breathed by God. Breathed by God about us becoming people of prayer. I just want you to leave with this. Just leave with this. And if I I could look at every single one of you and just like look at you eye to eye, this is what I would tell you. Like, look, I know, I know you can all, everyone in here, you can become a person of prayer. I know you can. We feel guilty, you know, and for a week or so, maybe we pray and then we kind of slip back into our old rhythms. I know you can do this. You can be a person of prayer. You can build uh, this new reality into your life, this dialoguing, this talking, filtering all of your life, filtering all of your life with your heavenly father. I know you can do that. Here's the other thing I know. I know that by the grace of God, you can leverage the opportunities that God gives you. And as you leverage those opportunities, you become great. You become a great man. You become a great woman. You become a great, a great student, a great young person, a great grandfather, great grandmother. You become great in this life. You become great in your soul when you leverage the opportunities that God gives you. So here's your homework. Here's your homework. Would you just, this next week, pause, take a moment, and just say, God, what is the opportunity, maybe something I need to remove from my plate, what is the opportunity that you're speaking to me, 
that you, you would have me to pray about, prepare for, and participate in by the grace of God. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you that you are a God of opportunity. You're good and you are great and you are awesome. And, Father, I pray that we would begin to see things, opportunity, as you see them. Father, thank you that we could dedicate children today and dedicate parents. And, Father, it's, it's so great. But you're here this morning and there's an opportunity for you an opportunity for you to be right with God, an opportunity for you to know him, an opportunity for you to become a person of prayer. Maybe you've, you know, used to go to church or maybe you've been away from God or maybe you've never really made your life right with God. And so this is an opportunity to give him your sin, to give him your failures and to receive his forgiveness. And the Bible puts it this way that the the cost of all that, the wages of sin is separation from God like forever death. But the gift of God, the free gift, is he wants to give you life, like eternal, never-ending life through Christ. And when you receive what he did for you on the cross, you receive eternal life. And so do you want to leverage that opportunity to either know him or come back into a relationship with him and be right with God? We're not going to embarrass anybody, but that's your prayer. Just raise your hand right where you're at. It's awesome. In the back, on the sides, is there anyone else? Just wanna, I just want to be right with God. I want to say yes to Jesus. Right on in the front. Are there others? Sir, you can put your hand down in the middle. Ma'am, you can put your hand down. It's awesome. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. I want to be right with Christ. Amen. And so those of you that raise your hands, pray in a simple prayer, repeating after me, Father, thank you that you died for me and you gave your life for me, I now give you mine. I receive forgiveness. Help me to walk with you, to know you, to pray to you, to be your son or your daughter. May this prayer be sealed in Jesus' name. Amen.